the right notes, the first book by Twitter influencer Lance Levine. It's a wild ride down a path of musical adventure that recaps many random run-ins with rock royalty, such as U2, Slash, The Ramones, The Goo Goo Dolls, and many more. And all the crazy occurrences that have happened to him that trace back to music. All the right notes is 209 pages sure to bring a smile to your face and to remind you how much music has probably touched your life as well. All the right notes available now on Amazon in paperback for $14.99 and on Kindle for all you tech warriors for $9.99. Also at local Chicago bookstores, as well as Rolling Stone Records on Harlem and Irving. If you can't find it, ask for it by name. All the right notes by Lance Levine. And I have been told I could not put it down. I read it all in one day. So order it now and see what all the fuss is about. You want the best, you got the best. The best little wrestling podcast in the business. All episodes on www.stspod.club. Do you enjoy all the shows here on stspod.club? Well, cash app us at dollar sign BTSTS. Do you not have the app? Download it and get $5 by using the code dollar sign BTSTS. That's dollar sign BTSTS. Happy holidays. Um, you know, those people that say, uh, what is it? The stupid, uh, for those of you who sell, forget that. Just happy holidays to everybody, you know, whatever. So Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, whatever it is that you celebrate, we want you to have fun. Uh, this is the final episode of the Record Store this year, so happy holidays to all. Uh, I am getting ready for, well, let's see, my birthday is Christmas Eve, and of course New Year's Eve, which I used to like have problems with New Year's Eve because I consider it amateur night, and of course, you know, there's all the ridiculous drinking and drunk driving and all the crap that goes on on New Year's Eve. But actually, um, a good friend of mine has a band that almost always plays on New Year's Eve, and I almost always try to go see them on New Year's Eve. Um, So I've actually become somebody who does actually go out on New Year's Eve. And little known fact, those who know me closely know this, I am obsessed with the New Year's Eve countdown shows, like the old Dick Clark stuff that is now Ryan Seacrest and the other networks that do stuff too. I actually, this is like so bizarre and you guys are going to like really laugh. This is an inside peek, inside baseball here of something cheesy and weird that I do is I actually DVR the countdown shows. 
And I don't care about spoilers because I know that ball is going to drop in Times Square. I know what's going to happen. So, but it's just like, I don't know. I just, there's something really funny and exciting and weird about seeing the drunks in New York City (laughs) and like wondering where do they pee when they're there all day? Like they're there like 12 straight hours trying to save their spot for the ball to drop in New York, in um, Times Square. So you got to wonder, like, are those stores, like, actually allowing them to come in and go to the bathroom? (laughs) So anyway, or do they just piss themselves pretty much? So anyway, I am weirdly obsessed with New Year's Eve. So, uh, but this is the record store, yet another special Christmas edition. Uh, Before we get any further, of course, I have to thank the house band for our intro music. It is the Oily Stools. They are amazing. Um, You know, little known fact about them, everybody assumes that their name is gross and it's, you know... Uh, You hear about it in the meds, commercials, and stuff. But actually, truly, the name, the small trivia fact about the Oily Stools is that they were playing a bar, in a dive bar in Austin, Texas, and there were stools in the bar that were slippery. And so they actually changed their name. They had another name, a normal name, which was stupid. And they changed their name to the Oily Stools. So it literally has nothing to do with poop. So anyway, thanks to the Oily Stools for welcoming us in on this episode of The Record Store. Uh, You know the deal with The Record Store. We grab a CD at random uh, off the voluminous wall of CDs over here. I'm going to trademark that, I think. Voluminous wall of CDs. Um, And I'm like, I've had a banner year. I think I have added to the collection by the multiple dozens, probably... Just without even counting or anything, I've probably invested in another 75 to 100 CDs this year. So, and yes, CDs, whatever. I like, you know, physical media, whatever. Um, but anyway, so, and I think I'm actually going to do a top 10 of albums from 2023 because there was so much good stuff this year. So I'm pondering that for what the January episode's going to be. So anyway, this is our special Christmas edition. Uh, Brian likes to do a Christmas album every year. So it is not quite the random pull from the uh, album, the voluminous album wall, as it normally is. But it is a, well, from the three Christmas albums that I have, I pulled one randomly. And um, the other two I've already done. So the first two years of this gimmick, we've already done it. So this is the third and final Christmas album that I have in my collection. So who knows? We might actually add to it for next year so we can continue this gimmick. So anyway, this year, the edition, the episode is revolving around a very special Christmas uh, compilation album from back in the day. Um, And again, like I said, this is our trip down, you know, memory lane as far as Christmas albums go. Um, I personally, I gotta say, spoiler alert, I'm not a big fan of Christmas music. Um, I I think the problem for me is that I hear it 24-7 at work since like the middle of November. So you get burned out on it. You get tired of it. There's only so much Mariah Carey and Kelly Clarkson one can take. Um, It's just been nonstop for me in retail. You know, we have it playing. That's part of the deal. We have to have it playing. Um, So I just from like the middle of November until I'm counting down the days folks, because pretty soon we'll be able to change the Sirius XM channel again at work. Um, but I will say I do have a favorite Christmas song, uh, of all time. Uh, spoiler alert. It is 2000 miles by the pretenders. Um, big fan, obviously pretenders are one of my top 10 bands of all time. Um, 2000 miles is a beautiful song. So, and I will give honorable mention to Tom Petty and the heartbreakers because Christmas all over again, I do hear that all the time at work. Uh, 
probably multiple times a day. Um, but obviously, Tom Petty is the goat, so I'm going to say that's my second favorite Christmas song. Uh, and that one came from, actually, ironically, the sequel to the album that we're talking about today, Very Special Christmas. So I believe that, for me, Christmas songs by popular acts, it's a gimmick. Um, they sell. Obviously, they're going to get airplay. It's a it's a sales gimmick by the artists. Um, they get five or more heavy weeks of rota- in rotation on radio stations, whether it's XM, Sirius XM, or whatever. Um, but, you know, it's Christmas, so we let it go. You know, people don't call the artists on the fact that they're, you know, they're, they're selling out by doing Christmas music. So um, I would say if they release special music songs pandering to, like, Fourth of July or Easter, then we would call bullshit. But everybody lets it go because it's Christmas. So, you know... They just they these these artists are racking in the dollars. Can you imagine Mariah Carey? I bet half of her fortune has got to and good for her, you know, whatever. But half of her fortune has got to be based on that Christmas song, you know. And there's a lot of artists that you know. God, I hear it all day, every day, you know, um, at work hearing the music on Sirius XM, the 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 contemporary Christmas channel. So anyway, but today. We are going to discuss a very special Christmas. Um, believe it or not, that album came out in 1987. Hard to believe, 36 years ago is when Very Special Christmas came out. So when it first came out, I was super excited because Stevie Nicks was on it, Pretenders were on it, U2 was on it. So bands that I love, performers, artists that I love. So I was really excited about it. So, you know, I hadn't really thought about this album in years. I mean, granted, we hear a lot of the songs all day, every day, this time of year. Um, songs from this album but looking back on it I didn't remember what the benefit for this album was you know I I assumed in my head for whatever reason I assumed that it was for hunger in Africa I assumed that it had something to do with Live Aid um, and that the the existence of this album was to benefit starvation in Ethiopia um, just like Live Aid did So in doing the research for this, you know, and maybe you thought the same thing, you know, because it's been so long. And so the album is kind of out of sight, out of mind. But um, it's been so long, I really forgot what this album was for. And so I thought it was for Live Aid, but the Live Aid was in 1985. This happened in 1987. So Live Aid grew from Do They Know It's Christmas? So I think that's where the confusion sets in is because there was that ensemble that did Do They Know It's Christmas? And that was in 84. And then Live Aid was in 85. So, But this album, turns out, it was a separate deal altogether. Had nothing to do with it. And so A Very Special Christmas was actually a benefit for Special Olympics. So if you remembered that, congrats to you, because I did not remember that. So hence the name, A Very Special Christmas. Obviously, now that you think about it, it was for Special Olympics. So that totally makes sense. So the album was produced by Jimmy Eovine. Hard to say. It's I-O-V-I-N-E. Jimmy Eovine. No relation. Lance Levine, Jimmy Eovine. No, no relation. Um, and no relation to Zach Levine from the Bulls either, for that matter. Although his is spelled damn near exactly the same way with the capital V and everything. Um, anyway, so Jimmy Yovine had worked with um, Stevie Nicks, worked with Springsteen, Meatloaf, Tom Petty, U2. Um, so this guy's production had my attention right away. You know, it had the stamp of approval for me because of just his name being attached to this project. Having worked with some of my favorite artists all of all time, I'm like, okay, I'm definitely going to give this uh, this project uh, a look, you know. Um, the album went quadruple platinum, sold 4 million copies. It's ranked 19th all time in Christmas album sales. Um, it did have a follow-up. It had Very Special Christmas 2. 
1992, and we'll talk about some of the other sequels to it. Um, in the credits for Very Special Christmas, it said the album could not have been possible without the help of Herb Alpert. And I'm like, Herb Alpert, the famous trumpet player. So I'm like, huh, what? wonder what that connection is. So I did some research there. Um, Jimmy Yovine, who produced it, um, he had come up with the idea of a Christmas album. He wanted to do a Christmas album as a tribute to his father. So I'm guessing his father was majorly into Christmas or something. So he wanted to do this album as a tribute to his dad. Eovine's wife at the time worked with Special Olympics, so they kind of put their heads together and Special Olympics, the, the album being a benefit for Special Olympics, came together because of her working for them. Um, and it turns out Herb Alpert was one of the founders of A&M Records, and A&M A Records is the company that put the album together. So they specifically said would not have happened without the help of Herb Alpert. So pretty cool there. Herb Alpert's still alive. I looked that one up. He's 88, so good for him. Um, the album sales of this album, special, a very special Christmas. It's been over a hundred million sales. Hundred million has been raised. Over a hundred million dollars has been raised for Special Olympics. So very cool. Um, and speaking of sequels, there was Special Christmas two. There was a three. There was a live. There was a five um, acoustic and seven, and then it kept going from there. So there's been probably about 10 of these altogether. Um, obviously not as popular as the first one. The first one is the one that really like made inroads into the airplay. Um, and there were songs on two also that got a lot of airplay. So very special Christmas, 15 songs long. It is 51 minutes in total. Um, at the time, it was a very novel concept, and I think it was... Um, it was so unique in the sense that it was a compilation of contemporary cool artists doing, for the most part, traditional Christmas songs. Um, there's one original on the whole album. Um, but like I said, it was novel at the time, and I would say it was probably novel the first 20 times or so that you hear these songs. But now you're like, oh my god, the, this album has been around for 36 years. I have heard those songs hundreds and hundreds of times you know and speaking for me personally that's why i i'm i feel like i'm coming off as a scrooge here because i'm just not a fan of christmas music simply because i hear it all day every day so enough is enough um if i didn't i'd probably be okay with christmas music a little bit okay with it so anyway all right let's talk about some of the songs on um a very special christmas so we start out the first song is santa claus is coming to town by the Pointer Sisters. Um, they do have a couple of the members of the E Street Band helping out here. Uh, the vocals, very powerful um, with these ladies, of course. Uh, Springsteen, I would say they definitely Springsteened up this Christmas, this classic Christmas song. Um, I think it was a very good use of the sisters' very distinct voices. You know, they have very distinct voices. Anita, Myrtle, Jackie, Ruth, whatever their names were. Um Big fan of Myrtle Pointer, by the way. Anyway, um, they had, obviously, a, a saxophone solo in the middle, and that was clearly Clarence Clemens. That, hard to say that. Um, but, obviously, it was Clarence Clemens when you're listening to it. Um, very energetic song. A great start to the album. I think it really gets you going, gets the blood flowing for this album. Um, and it revs up this classic Christmas song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. So, good way to start the album. So, I will give it a thumbs up. Uh, second song is Winter Wonderland by the Eurythmics. Um, I think that the husky, I'm listening to Annie Lennox on this, and just very husky, very sultry voice, you know. It, just the tones of her voice are very sultry. Um, 
kind of a haunting start to the song, but then when the music kicks in, it totally softens it. It totally, you know, like she's all somber and serious for the first few seconds of this, and then all of a sudden when the music comes in, it's very just playful and light. So um, I think she was very controlled on this vocal, very emotionless, and that was by design. I think in general she's got kind of that persona. It's just kind of an emotionless presentation with her. Um, it's in contrast to the bombast of the first song, the Pointer Sisters song. So I think putting these songs back to back was by design just to, to show the different types of music that are going to be on here. Um, but I will say, and this starts a trend on this album, the selection of this song for Annie Lennox is a perfect fit. I think that it's probably pretty clear that Jimmy Yovine, knowing the music at that time, knowing the music scene and knowing the artists that are going to be on here, um, there's a number of songs on here that are just absolutely perfect fits for the artists that he chose with them. Um, she vamps it up as the song comes to a close. Um, it's not as 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 um, heavy a rotation in the serious playlist for Christmas as some of the other songs, but I would trade for it. I enjoy this song. I do hear it every day, but... But I probably only hear it maybe once a day, as opposed to seven times a day on some of these other songs. So um, I would trade for it because it was a good song. I like the presentation. Um, I'm, I'm a Eurythmics fan, not over the top, but I do like Eurythmics. So I enjoyed Winter Wonderland in the second spot. All right, in the third spot, we have one of the highlights of the album, which is Do You Hear What I Hear, the Whitney Houston song. Uh her majestic voice, just majestic voice. Uh, I just can't say enough about what a loss it is that we don't have Whitney Houston still making music these days. Um, her voice, a choir gets worked into it as well. Um, just so sad that she's gone because you hear, you forget what a what a powerful voice this lady had. So this, you know, do you hear what I hear? Obviously, a Christmas classic. It's a beautiful version of the song, and again. As repeating what was in the last song, a perfect selection for Whitney Houston. The song is perfectly fitting to her voice, um, the artist that they gave the song to. I think she takes the song, she definitely divas it up for sure, you know, um, but it turns into a highlight of the album and it turns into a highlight of when you're hearing Christmas music and, you know, if you're like me and it just gets to be overwhelming and too much and enough is enough already... Um, this is a song that I could listen to all the time. You know, this is a song that is just stunning, um, so powerful, and it's just, again, it's just tragic that Whitney Houston left us at a, such an early age. So, Do You Hear What I Hear, one of the highlights at number three. So, all right, moving on, fourth song is Merry Christmas Baby. It is Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. This is the full band here. Um, like I said, a couple of them played on the Pointer Sisters song to open the album, but this is the full band. It's also live. I don't know, you've probably heard this song many times, but I don't know if you remember that this song is done live. Um, the sax gives it away immediately that it's Bruce Springsteen. It's, again, the very trademark sound of Clarence Clemens, not just some other guy playing the sax, as we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, I wonder what the live crowd thought when he brought this song out live. You know, it's like June or July or something, and he's, you know, singing Merry Christmas Baby, you know. Um, I wonder how the crowd was reacting, like, all right, cool, whatever. Um, anyway, so the song, original song was from 1947. The band that originally did this song was Johnny Moore's Three Blazers. So, sounds like a wild night after Taco Bell at the Trammell household. So, anyway, uh, Bruce totally pours it into the vocals here. He has a lot of fun with it. It's, it ain't no born to run. I will say that, but I will take it in December. I will take it. Um, 
I will take Merry Christmas Baby by Bruce Springsteen and the East and the E Street Band. It's not just Bruce Springsteen, so let's get that correct. So, all right, at the fifth spot, um, we have another highlight for me. It is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas by The Pretenders. Um, no secret, Chrissy Hine is my rock chick idol. Um, love this lady. Um, this song and the beauty of this song is such a stark contrast of who she is. Um, and that's one of the things that I really liked about it is the fact that it is so against type. Um, her voice is so smooth here, just such a beautiful voice. And I thought back on the time and I recap, or I talk about this story in all the right notes, the book, which is a perfect stocking stuffer. You can get it on amazon.com. Look for it by name. Uh, but in the book, I talk about being at a concert and Chrissy Hine giving me the finger. So, that is in stark contrast to the... Fa- and that's, you know, that's totally within character for Chrissy Hind. Perfect. Love it. Didn't get mad at all. I appreciated the fact that it was one of my idols giving me the finger for reasons that I will detail in the book. When you when you order it, you'll be able to see the whole story. But anyway, so Chrissy Hind, um, this rock and roll badass chick, just punk, you know, when they came out in the 70s, she's just a punk rocker. Um, and here she is doing this beautiful song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. So... Um, it just goes to show how versatile she is, how talented she is. It's a beautiful vocal, um, not much music. It's actually very stark, very uh, sparse song, um, but it's almost all her. So, like I said, it just um, it just the contrast of the fact that she's this punk badass and she makes this song into a tearjerker. So, I will also say this song could get some more reps on XM Serious, please. <laughs> it makes all other versions of that song irrelevant to me. Um, and it's just, it's a beautiful rendition of that song and it's another highlight. So have yourself a Merry Little Christmas by the Pretenders, officially the Pretenders, but mainly Chrissy Hine. Um, another highlight of the album, halfway spot of the album. So, all right, we're at the halfway point. We're going to flip the CD over. Is that, wait, they don't do that. They flip over vinyl. So anyway, we'll put the CD on pause. We will have some sponsors come in here and trot out their wares and pay some bills. And we will be right back with side two of a very special Christmas here on the record store. Stay with us, guys. I want to stop the episode right here and talk about one of our new sponsors, Bear. B-A-R-E period. That's right. Their tagline is eat better, live better. And I'm speaking from experience here. That's right. The better things you put in your body, the better you feel. These guys are the best meal prep company in Northeast Arkansas because, well, (laughs) they prep all my meals and they don't put any of those artificial flavorings or seasonings in their food. It's just the bare ingredients. You see what I did there? Here's how it works. You choose the meals you want in your desired pickup location from their easy-to-use website. Your meals are ready Monday morning and available for pickup based on the hours of the location. They have seven locations right here in Jonesboro, two in Paragol and one in Brooklyn. Go to bear870.com and place your order today. So here's what I want you to do. Get 15% off with our code STSPODCLUB at bear870.com. That's 15% off and use our code STSPODCLUB. Trust Bear for your meal prep needs in Northeast Arkansas. Eat better, live better. Bear. 
This episode is also brought to you by SpunkLoop.com. Remember when you're getting funky like a monkey, if you know what I mean, use Spunky. That's right. Go to www.SpunkLoop.com and tell them STS Pod sent you. Right Notes, the first book by Twitter influencer Lance Levine. It's a wild ride down a path of musical adventure that recaps many random run-ins with rock royalty, such as U2, Slash, The Ramones, The Goo Goo Dolls, and many more. And all the crazy occurrences that have happened to him that trace back to music. All the Right Notes is 209 pages sure to bring a smile to your face and to remind you how much music has probably touched your life as well. All the Right Notes, available now on Amazon in paperback for $14.99 and on Kindle for all you tech warriors for $9.99. Also at local Chicago bookstores, as well as Rolling Stone Records on Harlem and Irving. If you can't find it, ask for it by name. All the Right Notes by Lance Levine. And I have been told I could not put it down. I read it all in one day. So order it now and see what all the fuss is about. Our Uber Eats code Eats Dash Brian T two four seven nine O U E. That's Eat Dash Brian T two four seven nine zero U E. Use that code and get twenty dollars off a twenty five dollar order. Are you enjoying the episode? Well, cash app us. That's right. Dollar sign B T S T S. You don't have Cash App? Download it and get $5. That's right, $5. That's dollar sign B-T-S-T-S. Dollar sign B-T-S-T-S. All right. Thank you, Record Store Nation, for indulging our sponsors, and thanks for sticking around. Thanks for coming back for side two of A Very Special Christmas on this very special episode of The Record Store. Hey, see, like, you like the tie-in there? That's like a theme. Uh, segue? No, not really a segue, but a theme. Anyway, going with the format. So, all right, we are reviewing on The Record Store. We're reviewing and talking about A Very Special Christmas, the 1987 charity release for a very for Special Olympics, rather. Um that has become very much part of the tapestry of the Christmas music that you hear every day these this month. So, all right. So on side two, we've got number six in the sixth slot. We we have I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus by John Cougar Mellencamp, or as Brian Trammell likes to call him, John Camp Cougar Mellon. Um, he uses his full band here. So it's John Cougar, John Mellencamp, whatever you want to call him. Um, uses full band with the fiddle and all. You know, gets everybody in there. So I like... Almost all, well, I'm not going to say almost all. I like a good percentage of John Mellencamp's catalog. I do. Um, and to me, this song is kind of harmless. It's like cotton candy. You know, it doesn't It doesn't matter. Like the some of his mid-range, mid-career stuff was so good and so meaningful and so like um, so much strong messages to the, me- the, the music and very underrated messages to the music of John Mellencamp. Um, I do like, like I said, this song is kind of just cotton candy. It's just there. Um, 
it was this is a you know very representative of the artist cashing in to sell music for Christmas. So, but good for him, you know. Uh, bought himself many many more cartons of cigarettes because the money he made off of this. So good for him. Um, I do like the crisp like gunshot. I call it gunshot drumming on this album or on the song rather. Uh, just very crisp sounding drums. I like. I love the background singers that he used on here, which is probably the ladies that he works with all the time. Um, I will take this version of I Saw Mommy, I will take it over the Jackson 5 version because that's the version that I've heard 8 million times at this point. So rather than the John Mellencamp version. So I will I will go with this one. I will favor this one over the Jackson 5 version, uh, which is way more famous, I'm sure. Um, just because of it, it's almost it almost feels new to hear this one as opposed to hearing the Jackson Five version. So all right, then we go to seven is Gabriel's message by Sting, uh, not the wrestler Sting, Sting um, Gordon Sumner as it were. Uh, inside information there, inside baseball, Gordon Sumner shoot name. Uh, anyway, but it's Gabriel's message. It's a very solemn, very serious song. It sounds like something you'd hear in church on Christmas Eve night at church. Uh, at this point. In 87, Sting was already, you know, diverting from the da-do-do-do-da-da-da era of the police at that point um, and getting a lot more serious and trying to get taken much more seriously as an artist, as an artiste, as it were. Um, so up until this point, up until this is the seventh song, up until this point, the album has been mostly fun and lighthearted. But this is like a funeral dirge. This is a, a, a like a long-time church classic, very from decades back if not centuries i don't know i didn't look at the date um it's kind of out of place because it's so serious the tone of it is just so serious and so somber you know like i said it sounds like a funeral dirge um sting has obviously a fantastic voice always has um it's very short uh but it just it's it's really odd in the fact that it doesn't fit in with the 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 liveliness of the rest of the album so I best I can say is it's very short. It doesn't take away, you know, all of a sudden it takes you so down as opposed to everything else on this album being so exuberant and happy. So anyway, Gabriel's message, it's there at number seven. And also speaking of it's there, uh, the eighth song, Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC. Um, this is the only original song on the album. So I will say that, you know, the rest of them are all updates on either classics or older Christmas songs. Um, not a rap guy, not not exactly a spoiler alert there, not a rap guy, so this is going to be the shortest part of the uh, episode here, but the song is here, you know, it's it samples very familiar Christmas songs. Um, honestly, I always skipped it. When the album was on, you know, on CD, um, I would just hit skip and not listen to it. So, um, not a Run DMC fan, not a fan of rap in general. Um, it, I look at Run DMC now like I look at the Beastie Boys, you know, and I know there's people that worship the Beastie Boys. My best friend worships the Beastie Boys. Um, I don't worship the Beastie Boys. From the same era, you know, um, I, they're much beloved. I think the Beastie Boys are way more beloved than Run DMC. Um, and just, but I look at them both in the same way in the sense that neither act ever really did anything for me and I just didn't care. Um, so Christmas and Hollis, it's there, whatever, uh, brings the rap genre onto this album. So I guess there's that. Um, but anyway, we'll get on to the next song. Uh, the ninth song is Christmas Baby Please Come Home by U2. 
Um, the original version of this song was in 1963 by Darlene Love. And what's cool is Darlene Love actually appears on the song. So 20 years later, she appears on the song. So I was excited again. You know, I said it at the beginning of the episode when I knew that U2 was going to be part of this. Um, I've always loved U2 to this day in my top 10 of favorite bands of all time. Um, I've always had this connection with U2 in the sense that Oh, hey, that's the first chapter of All the Right Notes. There's a plug for the book again. So check it out because I do have a personal encounter with Bono and the boys um, in All the Right Notes. And it is chapter one because it was such a cool thing. Um, So I was really open-minded about this. I really wanted to like this song, This Christmas Baby Please Come Home, because it was you two doing it. Um, Bono has such a powerful voice. It's not exactly a newsflash there. Um, But in this case, he's just having fun, you know. So I feel like... You know, everything that he does is so serious and so, you know, Irish war songs and and bloody massacres and, you know, all this peace and AIDS and all these serious topics that that Bono has sung about for his whole career and the whole career of U2. So in this case, it's kind of refreshing that he gets to have some fun, you know, and do Christmas, a Christmas song. So I like that in the the same vein of the Chrissy Hines song being such a contrast for what they these people are. So this song is really short, but it's very lively. Um, so it's the exact opposite of the Downer Sting, Sting song from earlier in the album, a couple songs back. So for me, um, Christmas, Chris, it's hard to say when I'm reading it so quickly. Christmas Baby Please Come Home um, is the male highlight of the album for me because I think Bono sounds great on this. And it's, like I said, it's just refreshing to hear Bono happy, <laughs> you know, and having fun doing something. So, all right, at number 10, uh, it is Santa Baby by Madonna. So you've heard it, you hate it, you can you can live without it. So anyway, it's... Um, from the Dick Tracy era, the campy era of Madonna when she was in Dick Tracy, um, that's what I thought of when I really listened to the song closely. Um, it makes sense that that comparison and that you know that makes sense the Dick Tracy era because that movie came out in 1990 and this was just a couple years before that. So it was like a really for me. I respect Madonna. I appreciate a lot of her music, but this was a really crappy song, and it was a crappy era of her career. Um, I preferred her earlier stuff, her pop stuff, her dance stuff, either before or after this song. I think this song was just a a terrible road, like a, just a awful road to go down for her, and it was just awful. This song was just so bad, and you hear it all the time. You know, this is another one that's in heavy rotation. Um, it's it comes across as like something from like a Dr. Demento, you know, like where they play novelty songs and stuff, like a Weird Al or whatever. Um, It doesn't sound like Madonna and the greatness of the so many great things that she did. Um, The original of this song, Santa Baby, the original was Eartha Kitt in 1953. And what's interesting is Eartha Kitt also hated this version of the song. So not that like I'm a huge Eartha Kitt guy or anything, but Eartha Kitt also hated this and she did the original. So I think that's kind of funny. And also in researching the song itself, uh, it is, quote, widely recognized that the Michael Buble version of this song is the worst Christmas song ever. So I did not go out of my way to find that song and that version of it so I could listen to it and just see how bad it is. But I'm like, okay, with all of these negative comments about this song, 
maybe we can just all agree it's a bad song. That's it. It's a bad song. You know, Madonna could not take this song and turn it into something good because it's a crap song to begin with. So Santa Baby, awful at number 10. The distinct low light of this album, right up there with Christmas and Hollis for me. So, all right, then we get back on track. 11th song is Little Drummer Boy by Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. Do not shortchange those guys. Um, Again, we go back to Jimmy Yovine picking a song that really well suits the artist. I think this song was perfect for Bob Seger and his guys. Um, It was very true. This version is very true to the original, but it throws in some guitar, obviously. Um, I really like the way the the choir builds in this song. Uh, It goes from like one extra voice to two extra voices to ten extra voices, and then it just, it builds and builds and builds as the song goes, till it's a really full, big choir backing up Bob Seger. Um, There is a sax solo in here. It is not Clarence Clemens here. Oddly enough, the name of the guy playing the sax on this song is Alto Reed, which sounds like an alias to me. I don't know. Maybe it is Clarence Clemens, because Alto Reed just sounds like a bullshit made-up name, because Alto and Reed are both musical expressions, so... The sax player on here is Alta Reed, so take that for what it's worth. And if anybody knows that it is truly Clarence Clemens, I'm always in love with a good conspiracy theory, so let me know. So, all right. At number 12 is Run Rudolph Run, or Run Run Rudolph, or however you want to, whatever syntax you want to use there, by Brian Adams. Um, Also performed live. This was done in London in the month of June, and that we have confirmation of. So... Brian Adams doing Run Rudolph Run live in June. So I'm thinking, if I'm in the audience for this, if I'm a fan in the, I'm like, what in the, he- what, why, why are we, li- why is this happening? You know, why am I getting this? I want Summer of '69. Give me back my Summer of '69 is what I'm here for. That's what I want to hear, Brian Adams. Why are you telling me Run Run Rudolph or Run Rudolph Run or Rudolph Run Run or whatever? So very high energy song. Um, or version of the song, I should say. Um, I feel like it was Rockabilly meets the Beach Boys, kind of a vibe to it. So a good high-energy song, very upbeat. Um, It was originally a Chuck Berry song from 1958. Um, In this case, Chuck Berry basically rewrote Johnny Be Good to do a Christmas cash-in. I mean, basically, that's, that's what it is. This one is pretty clearly his own song, Johnny Be Good, but changed to Run, 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 Rudolph, Run officially so it's fine here it fits it's lively okay it's all right so i'm okay with run rudolph run i do kind of like brian adams not you know not a hall of famer by any stretch but he got the job done he was a journeyman he was a good hand as they say in another business so all right then we get to the most controversial song on the album yes that's right there is controversy on this album so at number 13 I didn't realize this, but I have an original version of this CD. I got it back in the day when it came out, so I have the original version of it. So the 13th song on here is called Backdoor Santa. Snicker. Uh, Backdoor Santa done by Bon Jovi. So the controversy about this is that it's not on subsequent releases of the album. They took it off, and they replaced it by another Bon Jovi song. So interesting. So... Uh, you know, I see the title, and again, I haven't heard the entire album from front to back in decades, you know, but I forgot that there was a song on here called Backdoor Santa, and of course I'm reading that, and I'm snickering because it sounds like an adult theme, uh, shall we say. We'll keep it clean for the kiddos. But it was originally a song by a guy named Clarence Carter in 1968, um, and the original version of A Very Special Christmas had Backdoor Santa on it, but then it was replaced in 1992 
by another John Bon Jovi, or Bon Jovi song, not him, solo, but the band. Uh, it was called I Wish Every Day Could Be Like Christmas. So they replaced it a couple years after the original release of this album. They replaced Backdoor Santa with I Wish Every Day Could Be Like Christmas. So I'm like, huh, I wonder, is there like... Was there some heat on the, you know, the sexual connotation of that term? Or, you know, maybe not a specific sexual connotation, but like a cheating spouse with Santa or something? The backdoor concept? I don't know. So I thought it was just really odd that they, you know, there was actually controversy on this album. And so if you went to buy a hard copy, a, a physical copy of A Very Special Christmas Now, you probably won't be able to find it. So... I have this copy that I will say is probably worth a few extra dollars because it actually has the original song on here. So anyway, um, this one also was live. So this is interesting to me that there's so many live songs on this album. So it was recorded at the Nassau Coliseum in August. So I'm like, again, the fans are like, shut up. We want living on a prayer. You know, um, I do like this version. It's got, it's very cheesy. It's very campy. Um, it's got this great, grinding guitar i think it's a good song and i think that they did a good version of it i never heard the original by this clarence carter guy um but it fits into the bon jovi catalog and it's naughty you know i like the fact that it's naughty because it's backdoor santa and it went away you know it quietly went away from subsequent releases of this album so i find it to be harmless you know i've probably said on here before nothing offends me i i have a very high tolerance for you know racial jokes or gender or religion jokes any kind of dirty jokes or jokes that would not pass like a george carlin you know uh sam kinnison type stuff richard Pryor, um uh just so many great comedians that work blue lenny bruce you know um just so many great comedians that their material today just would not fly, you know, and nothing offends me. I, I find it to be harmless. Backdoor Santa was harmless to me. And I will say ho, ho, ho on that one. Um, I do also, the other thing I liked with the music on this song is the very cheesy synthesizer. I love the very cheesy synthesizer on this song. So very good. I like Backdoor Santa. Thumbs up on that, John Bon Jovi. Keep it going. Uh, hopefully put it back on the uh, album. If you release it again next Christmas or something, put it back on the album so people can get the original. So, all right, at the 14th spot is the Coventry card. It is by Alison Moyer. Uh, it is a 16th century Christmas carol. So Alison Moyer, the woman who sang Don't Go, like that, you know. Anyway, so she sang that very upbeat song. Uh, this, that is, you know, the, the Don't Go, much more exuberant. This, again, goes back to the Sting, sting song. This is very somber. Uh, it's just like the Sting song and the fact that it's just so like dark you know and again not really necessarily fitting on this album so um and actually the vocal here from her it's almost interchangeable with the annie lennox vocal from earlier in the album so it's just that the the music the piano is so haunting and believe it or not i'm going to give this song a thumbs up because the piano is just so dark and haunting it just makes this song a win um, some of the song is in Latin, her singing it in Latin, so I don't know what she was singing, but it sounds good, and the piano is so good that even though this is so much darker and so much more, um, I guess, low-key and classical sounding as a 16th century Christmas carol, 
Um, I give it a thumbs up on this song because it was well done, well crafted, well produced, well put together. So despite its darkness and not fitting in with the rest of the album like some of the other stuff. So all right, then we get to the final, the 15th and final song on the album is they had to end it on a strong note. So they end with Silent Night, the Stevie Nicks version to close it all out. Um, Stevie, obviously in my favorite band of all time. So obviously I'm going to give this a a, a thumbs up. I love Stevie Nicks. Um, She sounds great here. Her voice is very full. This was from 87. So her voice is very full. Um, Again, song is perfectly suited for the artist on this one. So Jimmy Yovine obviously knew her well. He had produced a couple of her solos by this point. Um, Did a good job. He did a great job putting her with this song and it fit you know um it the song it really builds um it's much like if you're a stevie nicks fan and you have any of her solo albums you know that her um her mo on her solo albums is that the song or i'm sorry the album always ends with an epic um like think of um bonnie tyler total eclipse of the heart that kind of epic song um, some of the meatloaf songs that are so bombastic and so epic so the stevie nicks um the way the albums are laid out, her her solo albums would always end very bombastically like that, very epic songs. So this reminded me of it is the fact that this here's this album that's closing with this Stevie Nicks version of Silent Night. Um, it just builds and builds and builds. So just a really great way to end the album. Um, the same formula here, the choir, uh, the background vocals, the same formula that that Stevie Nicks used throughout her whole career, her whole solo career, I should say. Um, her career with Fleetwood Mac was a different type of music, but her solo career, so much was it, there was choirs, there was the background singers. Um, I could, honestly, I could listen to that song regularly. You know, that could be, that could just come on classic rock radio and I'd be fine with it, the Stevie Nicks version of Silent Night. So great way to end the album. So in conclusion, I will say I could listen to this album in December, every year, on repeat, you know, if I have to do Christmas music all month, you know, or actually five weeks, six weeks, whatever it is now, I I think at our work, they made us put it on like November 15th or something. So that's why I'm a little snarky. That's why I'm a little burnt out on Christmas music by this point. Um, But if, if I had to listen to it, I would be able to listen to this album on repeat over and over again. You could definitely do worse, you know, um, but there's some really standouts. There's some really great standout songs on here that have become Christmas classics. There's only a couple dogs. Um, but overall, it was a great album at the time. It was a great concept. I just wish they hadn't beaten it into the ground. So that's what I'll say. That's all I'll leave you with. So anyway, that is it. Record Store Nation, thank you so much for your support. Uh, thank you guys for coming back. Thank you for a fantastic year of this podcast. Uh, it, I'm told that when a podcast hits 50 episodes, it's really arrived. So I appreciate you guys indulging me in doing all these episodes about music and my love of music and all the right notes and so on. Um, Thank you to you guys the most for listening, and I hope you guys have a fantastic holiday season with your friends and family. Uh, Have a great and safe and happy and healthy New Year's. Enjoy the – if you go out, you know, be safe, have fun. Uh, If you don't go out, enjoy the countdown shows because I'll be watching them the next day. And please, no spoilers. Don't, you know, don't tell me what happens on that Dick Clark show. Uh, He's not going to be there. I'm told he's not going to be there. So anyway, thank you to you guys for listening so much. Thank you to the artists and Jimmy Yovine for putting together this fantastic album. Thank you so much to Brian Trammell 
for making me sound better than I have any right to sound and indulging me in doing a music show on a wrestling network. So be sure to join us in 2024. I got some cool stuff planned out. Um, I do think we're going to do a top 10 albums of 2023 episode early in the year, whether it's January or whatever, but we'll do one. Um, Because I just want to turn everybody on to the fact that there was such great music in 2023. And it may not be easy for me to narrow it down to a top 10, but I know my top few are going to be easy to figure out. So anyway, thank you so much, Record Store Nation. I appreciate it. Have a great holiday season, and we will see you in 2024. Don't forget, I have fun everywhere I go. We'll see you soon, guys. Thank you, Record Store Nation, for joining us for another fun-filled episode of The Record Store. You can support us if you so desire. Please support us. I have this terrible 7-Eleven hot dog habit that I have to support. Cash app us at dollar sign BTSTS. Or you can support us on Patreon. It's $3 a month. Uh, www.patreon.com slash shootingtheshiznit. And remember, there's no G in shooting. It's just shooting the shiznit. Uh, you can support us there. It's three bucks a month. You get uncut episodes. You get early episodes. You get uh, you find out what my favorite song of the album is on each episode of the record store. What if I grab an album that I end up from my own collection? What if I grab an album that I end up hating this year and I can't find a song that I love? So there's got to be one, right? So you'll find out that you get that when you're a Patreon. You find you get the song uncut after the episode. Uh, all kinds of contests that we do and prizes that we give away and like I said the early releases of the albums and so on you can find me on Twitter it's at ChocolatierLL yes it's a parody because I used to work for Godiva and they called us Chocolatiers so that's the explanation there C-H-O-C-O-L-A-T-I-E-R-L-L that is me on Twitter for all kinds of sundry bizarre stuff uh, you can find my book on Amazon it's called All the Right Notes it's my odyssey throughout rock and roll throughout my entire life uh, look up All the Right Notes on Amazon by Lance Levine. You can also find it in the Chicago market at Rolling Stone Records. You can find me on Facebook, Lance Levine, L-E, capital V-I-N-E, because you know I'm classy like that. Got to have a capital V in there. Uh, you can go to sdspod.club for the archives if you want to find our episodes about Hearts or Cheap Trick or Tom Petty or Lindsey Buckingham or Stevie Nicks or any of the other artists that we've done throughout 2021. It's been a great year uh, with much more to come. So if you want to check out some other podcasts that I'm a fan of, uh, if you want to stick with music, I'm a big fan of Playlist Wars. Uh, my guys, Brian and Gomez, doing Playlist Wars, where they have they debate better playlists from each guy, each other. Uh, Nixology from the Mysterious Steven. Haven't had an episode in a while, but hopefully they're coming back soon, uh, documenting the career of Stevie Nicks. So, you know, I'm a big fan of that. And if you want junk food-related stuff, it is my guys, Jay and Rick, at the I'm Fat Podcast. Okay? Always a good time listening to those guys talk about junk food and restaurants and so on. So thank you again, Record Store Nation. Stick with us. We're going to have tons of stuff coming out. And remember, nights are forever without you. 